Today, uh, I want to cap up our series. I want to finish up our series with the greatest hero of them all, Jesus. Our theme verse has been Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, we understand that those in heaven, the greats in Scripture, they're watching us, they're cheering us on, they've been through the race, and they are applauding us as we finish our race. And the Bible tells us, let us throw off everything that hinders, whatever that looks like for you, and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us. Amen? The Bible recognizes and tells us and reminds us that you and I are in a race. We're still in this race of life, and there are days where you and I feel like we just can't go on anymore. Would you agree that there's some days that are overwhelming? And the source of inspiration for those moments, for those times that we need when we feel like we can't run anymore, when we feel like we can't go on, is to look at the lives of the giants, of those that have gone before us, and be reminded that the same God that helped them is the same God that helps us today. And if they can make it, we can make it also. Today we're going to look at the giants of all giants. And if you were to never look at another hero, if you were to never look at anyone else, you would get everything that you need from Jesus because he is enough. And if we keep reading in Hebrews chapter 12, I read our theme verse. Verse 2 tells us this, that keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race that we're in. He's been there. So if you're going to get any encouragement, keep your eyes on Jesus. For those who say, but he was God, it was easy for him. No, in fact, he is unique because the Bible tells us, shows us that he was tempted in all points. But yet he did not sin. So what we do know is that he faced it all. What we do know that he knows what you and I are going through. And the Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews that we have a high priest that can sympathize with what we're going through. He doesn't look down on you and I today with condemnation. No, the Bible tells us that we can come boldly to the throne of grace. Amen. That we can approach him with confidence because he is understanding because he's been there. He's been there. He's gone through it himself. So if you want to keep running this race, if you want to keep on going and keep fulfilling your purpose, the Bible tells us this, study how he did it. Study how he did it because he never lost sight of where he was headed, that exhilarating finish and with God. He could put up with anything along the way, cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor right alongside God. And look what it points out, that when you find yourselves, because we've been there, flagging in your faith, when you find yourself struggling and when you find yourself frustrated, go over, that's what the Bible tells us, go over that story again, item by item, that long litany of hostility that he plowed through. So today what I want to share with you is that when you feel like giving up, keep your eyes on Jesus. When you feel like giving up, Keep your eyes on Jesus. What he went through and what he faced 
what we can learn from Jesus. So today we're going to look at how he did it, because that's what the scripture challenges us to do, to study how he did it. And we're going to look while his three and a half years of ministry were nothing, were like nothing before or since, we're just going to look at one day in the life of Jesus. And we're going to study how he did it, because if there was any day that Jesus ever deserved to quit, it would have been Good Friday. It was good for us, yeah, but it was bad for him and what he endured. Because while he is hanging on the cross, we understand that he is still teaching. While he is on the cross, he is still changing lives. And he made seven statements on the cross that I want to share with you today. And how they apply to our lives and how they can apply and find relevancy in what you and I face. Seven statements, and you have to look at the four Gospels to be able to see each one. And it's what's called the harmony of the Gospels when you're able to put this side by side and understand. Because not every writer gives you the whole story. But when you put them all together, I am confident that when we look at these, there are some principles here that you will find encouragement for yourself. I don't know about you, but I need encouragement today. So we're going to look at how he did it. And the first is... Forgive everyone who's trying to ruin your life. Forgive everyone who's trying to ruin your life. Do you ever feel like sometimes it's people just have a gift to ruin your life? It's like they did the, 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 the gifts test and they're like, it's to, to make your life horrible. It's like you're really good at getting on my nerves it's like you went to school to do that. For a lot of us, though, the truth is that it can be a relational issue. It could be someone that you're either tied to or close to. And as a result of that, because of the relation, the strain on the relationship, whether it be your marriage or whether it be a relationship with a child or your, your parents, perhaps the greatest, it could be the greatest factor in holding you back from running this race. But what we see on the cross is Jesus is being mocked. He's being spit on and going through all of this brutality, trying to catch a breath. Because the way they died wasn't a result of the nails. No, they would dislocate your shoulders out of the sockets. So you would hang by your weight. And eventually, this would cause your lungs to collapse. And you wouldn't be able to breathe. And the only way to catch a breath would be to push back on the nails and, and try to bring yourself up to, to try to, to just breathe and keep on going. And in this state, while Jesus is facing this brutality and everything, all the agony that he's going on, he makes the first statement in Luke 23, 34, and he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. Forgive them. I'm going through this, but will you forgive them that are causing this to me? There's so much that's going on in this scene, but yet he chooses to forgive. So what I want to tell you today is don't do it for the person, do it for yourself. 
Do it for yourself. Don't let unforgiveness find a home in your heart. Because can I tell you that resentment is a dream killer? Jesus thought it was so important to forgive that he included it in, in our daily prayer, in the, what we know as the Lord's Prayer. He says, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Matthew 6.15 tells us, but if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. So what I want to tell you today is that forgiveness is not minimizing the seriousness of what took place. To you, forgiveness is not saying that it wasn't wrong. No, forgiveness is choosing to not let it be on my record. I'm going to choose to forgive, and I'm going to believe that God is going to take care of it. The second thing is this. Help others who experience your same struggle. Help others who are experiencing your same struggle. This is a mystery, but yet a beautiful principle intertwined because on your worst day, can you really think of finding someone to be a blessing to? I'm challenging you this morning that on our worst day, can we rise to the occasion and find someone in that same struggle and meet them right there and say, you know what, I want to bless you today. Luke 23 tells us this, that one of the criminals, you just heard it a little while ago, One of the criminals who hung, there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? You're going through the exact same thing. We are punished justly. We deserve this, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me. When you come into your kingdom, Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus didn't say, are are you not understanding what I'm going through? I have my own issues to, to fight right now. In his agony, he says, today you will be with me in paradise. That in our struggle, that we could bless someone else. That while we are going through something, that we would still stand in the gap for someone who needs us to be there for them. Isaiah 58.10 says this, and if you spend yourselves, look what what, what God's word tells us, on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light. So if you do this for them, then your light, it doesn't say theirs, will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. Can I tell you that God will take care? of us, when we go to work for him, when we do his will and his work that God promises, he says, your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. We serve a God that can turn it around for us. The third thing is this, be sure you've taken care of those closest to you. Be sure you've taken care of those closest to you. This is where we really have to do some reflecting in our lives. Why would Jesus give us this lesson? Because on our worst days, it's the people we love that get the brunt of our bad day. I'm telling the truth up in here today. 
Because we can be so easily tempted to dump on those that we are most comfortable with. Guilty. I can't believe you said that and what are you thinking? Hey, God bless you. Amen. God bless you. Come on, we've all been there. We got to take care of those that we love the most. Because we can be so easily tempted to take out the frustration on those closest to us, nice to everybody at work, but we're so extremely frustrated that when we get home, we're just tired and we just don't care anymore. Dump everything on, on our families, and th that is the wrong, dump everything on our spouses, and that is the wrong attitude to have. Here we find a statement from Jesus that he makes to his mom. She's watching her son bleed out right before her eyes, and Jesus' disciples are nowhere to be found. One of the 12 disciples showed up. John the Beloved is there next to Mary. And Jesus looks down on the cross. And, and maybe it's, it's an aha moment for him. And maybe it hit him. What's mom going to do? What's mom going to do from here on out? Because most scholars believe that Joseph, Jesus' earthly dad, had died by this time because he is not found nowhere in Scripture leading up to this occasion. And Jesus looks down, and in John 19, he says, Dear woman, here is your son. And then he says, Here is your mother. So in other words, what he is saying, he understands what is taking place, and he says, Mom, here is your new son. I want you to be taken care of. And then he says, John, here is your new mom. That even on his worst day, he wasn't dumping on those closest to him. No, he was loving them. He was looking out for them, looking out for his loved ones. And can I just tell you that some of us in this place need to change our approach with our loved ones. And be there for them and love them and cherish them and care for them. And if I'm going to be nice to anybody, I have to be nice to those that I live with. And the church said, Amen. The fourth thing is this, that we have to realize that until you get to heaven, there are some things you will never understand. Until you get to heaven, there are some things we may never understand. When you're having a bad day and you ask yourself, why? Why am I going through this? Why was I chosen to face this? And we ask ourselves the question, couldn't somebody else face this? Or we tell ourselves, this isn't fair. And you say enough, and you ask yourself all the questions, and you begin to, to wonder within yourself because you don't want to give the impression that you don't trust God, but you wonder if God is for you. Because if God was for me, would I be going through this? Does God not care? Could Jesus have been modeling for us on the worst day of his life how we should approach our worst days? And he asked the question in Matthew 27, 46. He said, my God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? Ever asked that question? Why is this happening? But can I remind you today that we have to trust his sovereignty. And that we have to trust him in every moment. Job said, even though he slays me, 
yet will I trust him. I don't understand why I'm facing what I'm facing, but I trust you. Because I know that my Redeemer lives. And that in the end, he will stand on the earth. David said, I will bless the Lord at all times. When I understand and when I don't understand, I will bless the Lord at all times. You with me this morning? Number five, we have to be human enough to acknowledge our own need. Be human enough to acknowledge your need. Can I tell you, there's nothing wrong with asking for help. It doesn't make you weak. It makes you human, just like the rest of us. But oftentimes, we don't want others to know that we have issues. I don't want you to know that I'm going through something this is what John 19, 28 says, later knowing that all was now completed and so that the scripture would be fulfilled. Jesus said this. He said, I am thirsty. Yeah, it was for scripture to be fulfilled, but it lets us know Jesus has a need. I have a need and I need you to help me with. None of us are so self-sufficient. Let me remind you this morning starting with myself, none of us are so self-sufficient that we don't have times that we just need someone else to be there for us. That we just need someone there to just cheer us on and let us know, hey, it's going to be okay. God is in the middle of everything, and he is going to work it out one way or the other. None of us have gotten to a place that we have it all together, that we cannot ask for help. We need each other. We need each other. Someone that when they're, we need people that, that know us, that someone when they ask you, how are you doing, that you can just say, I'm terrible. This is really, you want to know how I'm really doing? This is what's going on in my life. I'm terrible. Someone who can know where we're at, someone that we can be vulnerable enough with to let them know our need, but that they can say, instead of judging us, that they could come alongside us and pray with us and believe with us and trust with us and know that, you know what, hey, you may be down and out, but I'm going to be right here with you, and I'm going to take care of you. The sixth thing is be assured. Be assured there is a purpose and an end. There is a purpose and an end. Sometimes it's just about keeping the end in mind. One glad morning, when this life is over, I'll fly away to a home on God's celestial shore. I will fly away. That's the closest I'll get to singing. There is a purpose and there is an end. Can I tell you that no bad day will last forever. No bad day will last. This too shall pass. But even on a bad day, can I tell you that Jesus has power to put purpose in our worst days. 
that he has the power to put purpose in our worst days. Jesus said this in John 19, 30. He said, it is finished. He was not talking about his life. No, he was talking about the conquering of our enemy. He was talking about the conquering of the curse of the devil on our lives so that every day on this earth could have a purpose and so that every day on this earth could have an end, that he conquered the cross and that he conquered the grave so that on your worst day and on my worst day, he could put purpose in it and cause it to be over someday. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 and 17 reminds us that therefore we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light afflictions, which are for a moment, work in us a far more exceeding weight of glory. That I have to be reminded that one day everything here will end. That there is a purpose and there is an end. And the final thing, as I draw to the close of the worship team, will join me. Finally, what you have to do is you just have to surrender your day to God and let it go. Surrender your day to God and let it go. And that's the problem that we like to hold on to things as much as we can. Because as long as it's in my hands, I still have some accessibility to it and I can control it. But there's some of us in this place that we will surrender some things to God but not all things to God because We're afraid of what will take place. Jesus' final statement. He said, Father, Luke 23, 46. He said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Jesus surrendered. We know the end. But can I tell you that on my level and on your levels, that some of us need to do that today with something that we're facing. Some of us in this place today, we've been holding on to it. it, And that it is different for everyone in this place. You've been trying to figure it out yourself. You've been trying to solve it yourself. You've been trying to work it yourself. You need to surrender. You need to surrender it to God constantly worried constantly worried and it's wearing at you we can't do it without him we can't do it without him so I just want to remind you as I draw to a close that Let what he did on the cross be enough for you. Let what he did on the cross be enough for you. But can you surrender? Can you surrender what you're facing? Can you surrender your heartache? Can you surrender your difficulty? Anything that comes to mind as I talk about this, it could be your your marriage. It could be your job. It could be your family. It could be your finances. It could be your health. I want to tell you, don't hold on to it. Surrender 
to him. You can cast your cares on him because he cares for you. He makes the invitation. He says, you can come to me if you're tired, if you're heavy burden, if you're laden. He said, I'll give you rest on the inside. I love what the prophet Isaiah reminds us that, yeah, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. But I love what he says, the chastisement of my peace was upon him. Some of us have not experienced peace in, in quite some time today because we're, we're holding on to it. But I've come to tell you that the punishment, that's what chastisement means, the punishment of my peace was on him. He, he paid the price so that I could sleep at night, that when I put my head on that pillow, that I could live with my unlivable past because of the price that he paid that I could keep on going and that I could experience the fullness of God because of what he did, not because of anything that I did. But I have to get to that point where I say, God, I give it to you. God, I give it to you. I'm, I'm sorry that I've held on to it for so long. I'm sorry that I've tried to work it out. I'm sorry that I've tried to do this or that, whatever it is for you, and you're just, you're tired. Give it to God. Give it to God. Father, I thank you today. I thank you for your presence and I thank you for the power of your word. It comes to remind us, to inspire us, to challenge us, to renew us, to recharge us. Some of us in this place are at our wit's end. Some of us have dealt with bad news after bad news after bad news, and, and we're just, we don't know where to go from here. But let us be reminded that we can bring it to you. Let us be reminded that we can bring it all and leave it at the foot of the cross. So in this place, God, I surrender my situation. I surrender my heartache. I surrender my dilemma. I surrender my frustration. I surrender because I know that you are the answer. I bring it to you. I bring it to you. Help me, restore me, renew me. I thank you for your work that is perfect. I thank you for your work that is perfect today. In Jesus' name.